I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskan. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Word Foolery Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. We're just going to, you know, confuse you even more by saying Wednesday. Normally we have Grace on a Wednesday, but today's Tuesday. It is that time of the month again where we delve into funny, interesting and downright strange origin stories behind words. And I'm delighted to have our wordsmith author Grace Tierney is on the line. How are you getting on, Grace? I'm grand. Confused about it being Tuesday, but I'll cope. We'll cope with this. We will cope with this. Now, before we launch into today's words, uh, this month is Novel Writing Month and you, Grace Tierney, are the mentor for Ireland Northeast for this initiative. Do tell us more about this now. I I will indeed. I am. So this is a worldwide initiative, not just local. Uh, So everybody from Australia and I think they even had somebody in the Antarctic once. uh, The idea is you try and write a book, Ideally, 50,000 words, uh, which is quite a lot. Quite a in lot. The 30, yeah, it is. <laughs> I've done it and it is quite a lot. Uh, it takes 30 days if you do it right. Um, lots of people don't necessarily make it to the 50,000 words, but it at least inspires people to get out there and be creative. There is zero cost uh, to writing a book. It's literally a piece of paper and a pen, or if you have a laptop, great. Uh, and if you want to register to take part, you log on to www.nano. N A N O Rymo uh, with the W Right Month Rymo If you look up National Novel Writing Month, you'll get it. It's very easy to find. It's been running for over twenty years. I've been doing it since two thousand and seven. Uh, not successfully the first two attempts, I will admit, but since then I've managed it, um, and it's great. So the, the I I'm the regional organizer for uh, Louth, Meath, Cavan, and Monaghan. I don't get to all of those counties in the month, but I do try. Uh, the last couple of years, we've just been on Zoom and this year we're going to do a mixture of Zoom and in person again. So it's lovely to meet my writers again and get to know them and basically encourage them and cheerlead them 
uh, we meet up to write together, not each other's stories. We just sit and <laughs> write oh, quietly well, and see, then moan you about, you, you've kind of got, I can't get my plot to work, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. You've got the camaraderie in the room. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And it really, really helps because writing is quite a solitary thing, but it's yeah. lovely to talk to other people that understand it. So it's uh, open to anybody that's over age 13 uh, because it's done via the internet. You have to be over 13. Uh, but we've had everybody up into like 70s and 80s. So like it's any age can do it and it doesn't matter if you've any experience you can just join in and get started that is fantastic and you have a kickoff meeting it's happening in academy bookshop uh, in southgate drogheda 4 p.m sunday the 30th of october and if people want more information it's nano remo as you say n-a-n-o and then w-r-i-m-o.org for details on that fair play to you grace no better woman to be writing a novel in a month my god i couldn't even attempt a short story at this stage definitely not <laughs> oh, you could you could you'd be surprised actually people really do surprise themselves and, and they'll write loads and go oh my god how did i do that we're all exhausted in December of course but sure yes yes but you've got a uh, you could have a, an award-winning or a you know a publishable book you never know if you have it in you uh, now <laughs> we're, your your mystery word as usual can I just say first of all like well done for coming up with just the most bizarre word ever secondly I have to say well done to listeners because I'm getting so much here this telling this is very telling now is a mully grub says Fiona and Ardy is it a procrastinating manager? Fiona and Ardy, I feel like you have something that you want to tell us about your work yeah, There's a story there a and story. I really hope your manager isn't listening, Fiona. Yes, <laughs> Fiona and Ardy. Uh, is Mully Grubs the name for people who have grubby, greasy mullets? So the mullet is grubby. <laughs> says Tina and Navin I mean I'm just loving that I really am uh, it's Christine Arkin says Sinead a mully grub is what I'm looking at my partner he took it upon himself to clean the chimney not good <laughs> oh listen this is brilliant this is gold stuff now keep those coming in 086 658 all will be revealed later on uh, but first of all this could be a mystery word and let's just not laugh at my pronunciation of this now dirigible of I said that right now. No, you haven't. <laughs> I'm so cruel. I love to give you ones that you can't pronounce. And I was going to send you like the phonetics for it. And then I thought, no, I'll just let her try. It's more fun when she tries. Oh, it's, tries and fails. What is, what is it actually It's pronounced? dirigible. Ah, dirigible. So it's, it's one of those odd ones where it's the second part is the emphasis. So dirigible, as in rigid, you know, ah, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, so it is, in fairness, a semi-obsolete word. It still works. And if you read steampunk, you will definitely come across it in my experience. But um, it's it's another word for a zeppelin. So oh. th- that might be more familiar to you. So yes. basically the big balloon filled with gas, which is lighter than air and then driven by engines. So if you haven't ever seen one, uh, think about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. They actually <laughs> get onto a zeppelin at one stage. And they have do. A, a big, exciting adventure on it. So the zeppelins themselves were named for a chap called Zeppelin. He was Count Ferdinand von Zeppelin and he was a German general and then an aeronautical pioneer so he served in the American Civil War and then retired to build airships so that's how we have Zeppelins but uh, they used to be all over the place it's you know we're too old to remember them because we're so young Sinead yes. but um, but in the 1930s there were Zeppelin services flying between Germany and North America and Brazil like they weren't doing short trips it was long haul and originally, the Empire State Building was going to be a tethering point for Zeppelins and for dirigibles. But the high winds made it impractical in the end. Early versions didn't have any heating for the passengers, but later ones incredibly had smoking rooms, which is Ooh. a bit daring. Yeah. Um, and you might know the uh, the British rock group Led Zeppelin. Of course. So 
they took their name in defiance of critics when they were told that they would go down like a lead balloon, mm-hmm. lead zeppelin. Love I, just, I love that. It's a good pun. Anyway, speaking of disasters, obviously the Hindenburg is probably the best known dirigible ever built. It was designed to use non-flammable helium gas, but after an American refusal to export it because of war things, uh, hydrogen was used instead and of course contributed to a terrible fire which largely removed dirigibles from our skies until recently they are making a comeback so oh, no way. helium yeah helium dirigibles produce lower carbon emissions than jet planes and they're starting to use them for commercial flights in Europe there's a company in in England that make them as a couple of places and a few different airlines are starting to take them up. So where do we actually get the word? So it's short for dirigible balloon. It comes from the late 1800s, where dirigible describes anything that can be directed or steered, thanks to French and Latin. So the Latin verb is diriger, uh, I think, <laughs> to set straight. So this also gives us the idea of directing an envelope, giving directions to travellers or directing actors and companies. Oh, I love that. And they're making a comeback. That's fantastic. Uh, well, th- you know, that brings us nicely because you kind of talked about the energy crisis. This brings us nicely to crisis. And we were talking about the energy crisis earlier on in the programme. So I can see completely how this has seeped into your subconscious. It really has. I just felt like every time I opened the news, it was another crisis. And it's terrible. All of these things are awful and I feel for them all and we should fix them all. But it's just like, oh, my God, another crisis. Can we actually handle another crisis? Um, But it turned out crisis has a cool background uh, involving sieves and ancient Greeks. Okay, so that's not where you thought we were going to go with this. (laughs) So it literally means the ability to judge. And it entered English in the early 1400s via Latin, but ultimately from a Greek word crisis, but spelt with a K instead, which actually meant turning point in disease. And crisis comes from a root word cry or cri, meaning to sieve. So to discriminate or sieve through the facts and then make a decision. which I I like the idea of sieving and my brain being a sieve because my head is a sieve at the best of times. So is mine. So it started in a medical context. So uh, Hippocrates or Hippocrates, I guess, maybe that's how you say it properly. But the Hippocratic Oath, you know that, the father of medicine. So he believed that all diseases. Oh, are you there? Oh, my God. Now, come on. Technology today is not our friend. Oh, no. Okay, we're going to try and see if we can get Grace back. She was just talk about a climax there. Oh, my God. We'll try and get her back just after these. 11 to 1. Okay, we have Grace Tierney back on the line. Grace, you were in the middle of just, you know, talk about like a climax there now. You were talking about (laughs) the Hippocratic Oath and the doctor and all the rest of it. Yes. So we'll continue. Did I get as far as the horrible gunk? So the blood, yellow bile, black bile and slam. No, you missed that. He had this idea that the body had these tides of these humours. Most people have heard of humours and leaching and all that kind of thing. So he reckons that the body is quite tidal. And in a way, you know, we are filled with water at various different times. Um, But he called the tidal days critical days. And then the tide itself was a crisis because then the doctor could judge if the patient was going to take a turn for good or for ill. And I suppose Mm. that's still a thing we think of in medical senses. But my favourite crisis term is actually given to us by the Germans. So they have one called Torschlusspanik. That's all one word. And it translates as door shut panic. This is the fear of being on the wrong side of a closing door. And they use it to perfectly describe a midlife crisis. 
Oh, I like that. I like that. Very good at these long compounded words, and I particularly like that one. Yes, that is a great one. Uh, Now, far away from crisis, I think Nimbus. What is this? It sounds like a creature from a fairy tale story. That's what I'm going to say. I like that. We should just get you to give guess all the mystery words. We could just have a program of that. Sinead tries to guess things. Um, So a nimbus can be a couple of different things, but the one that you might be most frequently exposed to in this country is a large grey cloud. So, you know, the big, heavy, puffy ones. So much of them. That's the type of a nimbus cloud. Um, But it can also be, in a more pleasant sense, a luminous cloud or halo which surrounds a supernatural being or a saint. The nimbus joined English in the early 1600s directly from Latin, uh, where it was the word for cloud. Uh, We've also possibly related to nebula, a cloud or mist. So you have nebula, star nebulas and stuff. Um, And from a root word relating to clouds again. And it's given us lots of words in tons of different languages, all relating to heaven, clouds and fog. But by the 1700s, you'll find nimbus being used in the world of art to describe a halo, often painted in gilt, if you think it's the old paintings, frescoes and stuff on walls of churches. But I didn't know this part. The shape of the nimbus is actually significant. So God the Father has a triangular nimbus, I'm guessing maybe to do with the Trinity. Christ has a cross-shaped one. Mary has a plain circle, which is kind of the one I'd be familiar with. Yeah. But angels and saints often had a circle of rays of light coming out from behind their head. Oh, but yeah. finally, if you're painted with a square nimbus, which I've never seen, this indicated that you were alive when the artist was painting that picture. Oh. So now I want to find a square nimbus. I really yes. like that idea. I love that idea. I really do love that idea. Uh, now, the next one, I just thought you misspelled Murphy <laughs> for, <laughs> for Furphy. <laughs> Tell me about this. No, it's furfy. It's furfy. Um, it's an Australian one, which I, I came across when I was doing my eponym book. And I just really liked it. I, some of the Australian words are great and we don't hear them enough up here. So if anybody Australian is listening, we'll just give you a little hello with the furfy. So a furfy is an unfounded rumour, but it has a great history. So furfy was derived from the furfy company. And they supplied water tanks, cylindrical water tanks that were pulled by horses and later by actual vehicles in Australia and elsewhere during the Second World War. So their name was printed on the tanks and the buckets that were used by the troops, so the water tanks, right? And the cart drivers moved from camp to camp and hence were a great source of the news and the gossip, although it wasn't always reliable. They parked their carts near the latrines, one of the few spots where the soldiers were out of sight and earshot of their commanding officers, and hence they were free to gossip. So it became an unfounded rumour. The cart was invented by a man called Furpy, so John Furpy in the 1880s, to bring water to farms for agricultural and domestic use. And over the years, he used the side of the tank to inspire people. He's very keen churchgoer, so he puts sort of worthy things on it. Messages like, water is the gift of God, but beer is a concoction of the devil. Come and have a drink of water. <laughs> I really like that one. I, I don't that. see that going down well with soldiers at all. No. Um, and the, the Furpy tanks produced still by the Furpy family farm are still used today during the dry season in Australia. There you go. I love that. That is absolutely brilliant. Um, Okay, so we've had another one come in. Um, Mark has a second thought on Molly Grubbs. He says, they're tubular tubular pipes used by indigenous rainforest tribes to remove bee grubs from beehives for a tasty snack. First discovered in the 1930s. Now, please tell me that's not a Google because if it is, that's a cheat. And then another one is uh, mulled wine with food cooked in it. A Molly Grub. 
What oh. on earth is a mully grub now? But I'm loving all these suggestions. Oh, I, d- I don't know if I'd drink that one. I'm not sure I'd eat the bees either. That seems a bit unfair. That's not good for the climate change. Part. No. But, <laughs> interesting. Very elaborate. Everybody's really gone to town there today. Um, yeah, you're mm, not really. No, on all of those, I okay. think. Um, <laughs> mully grubs is a state of de- despondency or a sense of doom. So I think oh. you didn't have a couple of people saying grumpy. Yes. They were on the right track. Um, you would say that you are in the mully grubs or you have the mully grubs. The word dates to the 1500s and maybe a combination of an obsolete English word, mully, which meant dusty or mouldy, and megrim, which you would sometimes see in old books, uh, which was an old word for migraines, which we borrowed from the French. So if you've got a headache and you're feeling kind of down and grumpy and miserable, you're in the mully grubs. Okay, so Fiona in RD, you're in the mully grubs because of your procrastinating manager. Isn't that a good way maybe of looking at what's going on with her? Yeah. 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 She needs help though. I think she needs to talk to HR. (laughs) new job. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, Grace, as always, thank you so, so much for a highly entertaining, interesting word foolery. We'll chat to you again next month. You're very welcome. See you then. Thanks a million. Uh, Just to remind people, uh, it is National Novel Writing Month and judging from the fantastic descriptions of mully grubs that we're getting in in 086-1800-658, I think you should all go off and write a novel. You'd be brilliant. If you need help, Grace is the mentor for Ireland's North East. She's having a kickoff meeting all about this at the Academy Bookshop in Southgate, Drogheda, 4pm on Sunday, the 30th of October. But you can find out more about this NaNoWriMo. So it's uh, N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O.org. And don't forget, wordfoolery.wordpress.com is where you'll find uh, Grace's blog and everything to do with the books that she's written as well. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.